When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Lola Pops Off About Dramas with your host, Lola. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode. And as you can see by the title, today's episode will be my final impressions of my liberation notes. Um, And as you know, these final impressions, as always, will be my way of letting you and myself know what this K-drama kind of left me with after its ending. It will let me know why or what, you know, I was feeling while I watched it and what I will probably forever recall feeling when I think back on the watching of this drama. Um, But to get started with this episode, which... I mean, I'm going to make sure it's not too long, but I'm just going to try to make sure I kind of cover my basis with this one. Um, I will let you know kind of what I'll be talking about in this episode. Um, Obviously, I'm going to be talking about my liberation notes, but more specifically, I'm going to be talking about just writing and storytelling done beautifully. (laughs) I'm going to focus a lot on the liberation as its theme. That is how it's represented in the drama. I'm going to also talk a little bit about... um, a train motif <laughs> kind of like what the train kind of symbolized a little bit to me in this drama and I'll probably be talking about you know frog confetti guts um, according to Mijong um, but what I won't be doing is probably summarizing the you know or fully reviewing this drama because I, I don't like really reviewing anything I kind of more just want to talk about what the drama left me with um, so that's what this will be and I won't go through major point you know, plot points or major happenings in the drama itself. I may mention some things that may be spoilers. So if you don't want any kind of major spoilers, then don't listen to this one just yet until after you watch it. But I, you know, I won't go into very, you know, extensive, I guess, plot (laughs) overview of my liberation notes. But, you know, I am hoping that if you are listening to this, you have watched it uh, or you're at least considering maybe watching it um, because I can just go ahead and let you know, I definitely recommend this drama to whoever will want, who will watch or who will listen to me talk about it. Um, But I do want to start right off the bat, um, jumping into kind of my final impressions. And I want to start with that train motif that I was mentioning. So as many of you probably know, the writer of my liberation notes is also the same writer for my mister or the, you know, Korean title, Ajishi. And if you haven't watched my mister, you know, I will quickly let you in on the story. And I'm only talking about the drama in relation to my liberation notes um, within you know this episode. It's because I kind of just want to just put it out there that, yes, you know, <laughs> there is some similarities between the two. Um, but there's no com- but I, there's no need to compare the two at the same time. Both of these dramas stand alone beautifully and powerfully. They don't need to be compared. But if you wanted to do a a comparison between the two, you really could easily do kind of like a 
a wonderful comparison between the two, but I'm not I'm not going to do that here. But I am going to bring up my mister just so I can kind of give you a gist of the writer and kind of their forte. And then that will kind of lead us into talking of, you know, exclusively about my liberation notes. So my mystery is this 2018 family drama, and it's not a family drama in the weekend family drama way, but in the way that it deals with three brothers and how they each in their middle age are handling careers and family and marriage and relationships. And me talking about my mister, this isn't my first time. I've talked about my mister in a um, recommendation um, podcast episode I put out in my first season of this podcast and I talked about why I recommend it and so I'm kind of basically just saying everything that I said in there so this is still me recommending my mister because it's an amazing drama as well um, but anyway um, and then you know when you're dealing with these kind of three brothers and these three siblings and kind of dealing with their what they're dealing with we also then throw in um, you know the drama throws in this young woman who's seen some very hard times um, and who's just trying to survive and is almost wondering when she kind of meets these men and kind of they come a part of her life you know what's the point right like what is the point to, to doing all of this as in living you know and that question I feel like it's kind of hanging in the air in the drama and she kind of is looking at it in that way because she's meeting these men in their middle ages and they're struggling just as much as she is in her young age and she's like what is there to look forward to you know as she's aging and so it's just a very kind of serious drama it's quite it can be quite sad um, it's a very dark dra- drama as well and not just in the sense of like what the kind of what it's dealing with as far as topics, but also just the way that it visually is presented on screen. It's always kind of happening at nighttime. Like it's just dark all the time, I feel like. Um, and there's not much laughter in this drama. It's pretty quiet. And, you know, the quietness is that type of quietness that kind of makes you go inward yourself and think about, you know, and you kind of watch these characters struggle. And I, I, the thing that most stands out to me when I think back on my mister, because this is kind of like my final impressions of my mister all of a sudden, but one of the things I always think about is that in the drama itself, the way that I was watching it, I felt like I could visibly see the pressure of living um, on these characters. Like it was so palpable, the pressure of just like what it means to exist. Um, and because the drama is so quiet, like you literally can, you know, you can't, there's not a lot going on as far as dialogue sometimes and so you can almost feel and hear and taste that weight and heaviness of on life of life on these characters and they all kind of seem to move you know really slowly with their shoulders drooping and then when you start to see them interact with you know each other of of course slowly you start to see them lifting their heads a little bit um and it's lovely to see that but in just this this drama is very well directed it's beautifully acted and the writer I mean, hits it out of the park with this the script, um, with this story. And it's also a drama that is critically acclaimed. It won um, the, the, the Bake Song Awards for that year. Um, and a lot of people actually call this, you know, my mister, the life's work of all of the actors <laughs> who were in it, right? And so, you know, that is a, a standard that this writer has, The what they have presented with my mister. This is their work, right? And after watching My Liberation Notes, or even while watching My Liberation Notes, you can definitely see that this is what the writer has a knack for, right? This is their type of story. This is their wheelhouse. This is where they definitely um, excel, to me at least, um, because My Liberation Notes, too, kind of matches that similar tone. 
in the drama. It's not as dark as my mister to me as far as like visually and cinematography goes. It's not as dark, but it definitely has a very similar kind of tone. Um, and the quietness at times is so loud in my liberation notes and that felt that same way um, in my mister. Um, and you also follow this family and these, these three sibling, siblings just like in my mister. So yes, there's definitely some comparisons. Um, even I think the Jian character in my mister is very similar to Mr. Gu in some regards. So, you know, there are some similarities, but I have to say that I definitely feel like they stand alone as beautiful representative works of this writer. Um, and our writer, her name is actually Park or Park Hae Young. Um, and again, she's written some other things, but to me, her kind of standouts for sure is my mister. And now to me, <laughs> definitely my liberation notes. And so I wanted to bring it up just to kind of give that overview of like not something new to the writer. The writer has written similar kind of a similar similar story with kind of similar tone to it um, and almost similar themes in a way and addresses some of the similar, you know, struggles of just people. <laughs> and I wanted to make that known that I'm aware of that while I'm talking about my liberation notes, because I know some people are kind of like, well, you know, if you look at the two, they would rather choose one over the other. And I don't think that's necessary. I really don't think it's necessary to compare the two as far as like, they both to me can exist individually. And I think they both deserve their own right, you know, they deserve as much kind of praise and acclaim. Um, but, you know, to each his own, I guess. <laughs> um, but the reason why, like I said, that's why I want to bring up my mister before I go into my liberation notes fully. But now I won't talk about my mister anymore. I'm going to focus directly on um, my liberation notes. But another reason I did want to bring up, you know, my mister was because in that drama and to me also in uh, my liberation notes, this this kind of symbol to me or this kind of motif that's reoccurring in both dramas is a train, right? Even on the cover, um, some of the poster covers for the, um, for my liberation notes, they are kind of positioned on a train, you know? And I think that is important. I think that also is something representative of our writer, Hey Young, Park Hey Young. And so I wanted to just bring that up briefly because I it stood out to me, I think, at least well, yeah, to me. Um, in my liberation notes, Mi Jung and her siblings like constantly are riding this train from Seoul to their countryside home. And during these rides, we get to see them dealing with their many situations or, you know, even for Mi Jung, we get to also just see her um, spot her favorite billboard sign that makes her feel good every time she sees it, you know. So it's, it's you know, also this train ride that leads Mr. Gu to Mi Jung and her family. And it's the same concept of like stopping off at a destination to stay, stay a while, only to then get back on again and to continue on your life's way. And I think that is something that, you know, our writer, she kind of likes to to not address, but kind of, you know, analyze in a way or present this concept of people going, coming in and out of people's lives or coming into people's lives to be fully shaken up and changed only to then maybe move on and then still remember what that person had did to make them change or help them change. So I think that kind of train motif or concept makes sense um, in, the, in terms of the writer and kind of when they present these themes. Um, another thing is that I thought was important about the train motif um, is that it's also just tied to the concept of freedom or, um, you know, because movement and travel both kind of represent access to freedom or liberation or, you know, 
represent access to potentially be free, you know, in a way. Getting on a train ride can lead you to a destination that will free you from where you were coming from, you know. So I think that starting the story with three siblings commuting via train from work and home and this mystery man getting off at a random stop leading him to this stop in his life, you know, it's just something I think the writer, yet again, wanted us to kind of to notice and I so I really noticed it and I really loved that and I think it was tying kind of this this kind of train motif that the writer had presented in my mister but also in my liberation notes um, and I really do think um, you could do I could do a deeper analysis on the train motif in this drama and kind of really break it down every moment that we saw the train and kind of what it did for those characters in that in those scenes. But I'm not going to obviously do that because I don't just have time for that. Um, but I did want to mention it because I thought it was important. And I think it was like a kind of signal or something representative of the writer, Pak Hey Young. So just wanted to shout that out because I like that. I really did like it. Um, but anywho, next thing I, about my liberation notes, I wanted to kind of talk about. And this is, again, not going too deep into the story, but just kind of a broad, another broad, you know, concept. And that is the genre, the slice of life genre that my liberation notes is in. Again, not talking about my, my, my Odyssey, or sorry, my Mr. or Odyssey again, but also was a part of the slice of life genre. And I might get a little flowery and about writing and storytelling as I, you know, start talking about this because I really just, I love this. I do like talking about writing. Um, and as you know, and if you've listened to my podcast in the past or you've been listening for some time, you'll know how much I love the slice of genre. That's just something I always say when it's a con- when it's presented to me and it's done well, I'm going to probably nine times out of 10 love it. Um, it's just a genre I enjoy, not just only in my dramas, but in literature, in manga, anime, it's my kind of go-to. I think the main reason that I really love the slice of life genre is just that I feel like it helps you easily, con- you know, connect with the characters. And you know, I love my characters. I love a character-driven story. So any kind of genre that allows the characters to kind of be front and center more than the plot, I'm probably going to be drawn to it. So I definitely think that's my main reason for loving the slice of life um, genre. And then when you're watching characters like, you know, in my liberation notes, like our siblings do their everyday things that you can relate to, like going to work or hanging out with your friends after work, um, or even staying in on the weekend to, you know, clean with your family and help do some chores around the house, you know, just easily makes me relate to them. And I, and I love that. I always appreciate that. But I also know that that can sound a little drab <laughs> to someone else or boring, honestly. Um, but I still believe this drama has some tense and thrilling moments. I think there's mystery and intrigue around um, Mr. Goo's character. And that then lends itself to some unexpected moments. And, you know, they're not and they're unexpected moments and they're but they're not melodramatic and unrealistic. And so that's why it ties itself, you know, to the slice of life genre. But at the same time, I think there's some exciting things that can happen in a slice of life drama. They're just not overdone, you know, or just like super dramatic. And I think that's good because slice of life dramas um, are, you know, focus on interpersonal relationships and, you know, the characters coming to these self-realizations suddenly um, and watching the characters go inward to find meaning and their purpose in their kind of day-to-day life. You know, this kind of quote-unquote boring life, they 
end up finding purpose and meaning in that. And I appreciate that. And you also get to see the characters like grow and heal from maybe things that they've experienced in their past. And how they are able to do that is with the relationships that we see them form in the present when we meet them in the drama. And that to me turns, it, it, it becomes really romantic, um, but also is not really that romantic in a way. And I think that makes me think of the slice of life genre in the literary sense or in the literary world where it's kind of tied or it was tied to the naturalism movement um, that emphasized the mundane and pushed back against romanticism. And I, when I think about that, I think about in the drama, My Liberation News, because we're talking about that still, <laughs> I think about one of my favorite moments and it's with Mi Jung. And it's a very important moment because it's even mentioned again in the final episode, Mi Jung brings it up and refers to it again later. And I think it's, such a beautiful moment, but it ties back to this kind of mundane and, you know, pushing back on romanticism and romance, you know, romance in a way. But um, it's the moment that she's late night, you know, walking home from work with Mr. Goo. And she's, you know, as she does all throughout the drama, and she's sipping on her little ice drink. And then she begins to let him in on her childhood, morbid, dark thoughts, um, ones about frogs being ran over um, and then seeing them in the morning in the road and their guts are displayed on the road. And then she describes them as looking their guts looking like confetti. Man, me junk is dark. <laughs> and in that moment, while she's telling this, you know, these thoughts to Mr. Goo, she just is they're mindless to her. They're very mundane in a way. She's just talking about them without much difficulty, kind of just fly off her tongue. And that freedom to unveil her dark and, you know, kind of morbid thoughts in that moment, she later describes that as being one that made her feel lovable. And that's the, the kind of key, you know, quote from her that she feels lovable after describing to Mr. Goo about frogs, confetti guts, you know, like that's a moment when she feels lovable. And it's because obviously she's being, she's able to freely express herself without judgment. And yet she is still admired um, and worshiped and loved um, as that version of herself by Mr. Goo. And that is liberating to know that you are able to just be open and say what you want to say and, and, and display this kind of weird side of yourself, this odd side of yourself to this person. Yet they don't, that doesn't change how they view you. That is very liberating to have that, to be able to do that. Um, and I think it's also representative to me of the slice of life genre itself. And it relates to this concept to me as a writer, like I'm not a writer, but writers writing a story that we can appreciate, um, where we appreciate, where we appreciate the story that the writer is telling, even though it's showing us something boring or quiet or odd or just simple about a character's random, you know, things in their life and their little random thoughts and feelings. And yet we still appreciate it. We still recognize it as being a valuable story to tell and we love it still which I feel like you know I do I really do love the slice of genre because I do find beauty in those everyday moments in a character's life and I value you know seeing that on screen and I think from a writer's perspective that must also be liberating to be able to write a story that showcases these simple and quiet moments 
about some random characters that you're presenting and yet have others still appreciate that and you don't have to you know make anything up or something grand or fantastical you can literally just put something else on the page like that um, and then someone still says that's good I value that I think the writer would feel loved I think they wouldn't be like my work feels I feel like my work is lovable you know and so I think that it was a connection to me that I kind of saw in the moment that Mi Jung describes herself as being lovable and then this concept of like being a writer and sharing a story that's slice of life and simple and quiet and still having someone appreciate it and love it it's you know maybe that makes the writer feel like they're writing you know it's lovable <laughs> and so I just wanted to highlight that because you know like I wanted to go you know really meta I guess about writing in this episode but forgive me for that I feel like that was a little rambly but I definitely think it was important to know um, so now that I'm talking about liberation and kind of like this ability for our character like Mi Jung to be um, liberated, I do want to talk directly about the theme of liberation, obviously, of this drama. It is titled My Liberation Notes, or I think it's like My Liberation Diary is the exact translation. And I just want to talk about how the drama explored it. The main thing I want to highlight in the way the drama show liberation um, through, you know, through all the characters, I want to show how or want to just talk about how many of the moments that the characters were experiencing throughout the drama were these kind of small moments of them liberating themselves without them even, I think, recognizing it or even, you know, without the drama stating it plainly. And a lot of these moments are ones the audience, I think, can relate to. And to me, they, you know, it pointed out to me, at least, that we do this all the time, as as often as we can sometimes. I feel like we are always trying our darndest to liberate ourselves from something and to find liberation from things every single day. Um, and so while I was watching the drama, at some point I started to make this kind of, it was, a, I don't know why I started doing it, but it was like this random little liberation list, I would call it, that I had in my mind as things started happening with certain characters. I was like, that is a moment of them liberating themselves. That's a moment of them liberating themselves. Wow, look at the characters liberating themselves from that. I kept kind of noting that. And I wanted to like, you know, talk about some of those moments because I thought, hey, this is really cool that the, the story is doing this because obviously if you, you know, just knowing what the story is about, Mi Jung and her and a small group of her co-workers, they decide that they're going to form a little club. And in that little club, they're going to talk about liberation or finding or liberating themselves from something. And so in doing so, they have to keep a little notebook, their little liberation notebook um, and kind of just process what it feels like, what they need to liberate themselves from, and then can maybe, you know, what steps they must be taking to do so. And they have these little, you know, I don't know, want some of meetings to go over this. And so with that in mind, obviously the drama draws our, at least to me, that draws the audience attention to the, you know, what does liberation even means? What does liberation mean for these characters? What does liberation mean to you, right? And so that's why I started to focus in on like, what does liberation actually look like in a single person's life? Like one person's life, what does liberation look like? And in the drama, Mi Jung and the, her co-workers, they all kind of know that there's this one big thing that they need to be liberated from. And I felt like it was one big thing, right? This big thing they need to be liberated from. And I think everybody probably has that, right? You have something that if you could be free from it, you would want to be free from it. But then what I started noticing when I started making my liberation list, I started noticing that 
there's ways to find liberation, um, not maybe from the big thing, the one big thing that you want to be liberated from, but maybe from things that, um, you know, every day would help you feel some kind of relief, you know, and if you can just shake it free and free yourself from that, then you can be working towards that liberating yourself from that one big thing. And so that's where my short little liberation list came from. So for example, Ki Jung, uh, who is the older sibling in the kind of, in our, in our, with our three siblings, Ki Jung, um, at the end of the drama, she goes into her bathroom on a whim with kitchen shears and decides to cut her hair. She just chops it off, right? And she doesn't, it just seems like she's doing it without any rhyme or reason. She's just like, I don't care what it looks like, just chop, chop, chop. And we know she does this after having some difficulties with her current relationship. Um, and, you know, that's something that a lot of people say that you do to kind of, you know, relieve yourself from, you know, from certain things. You can cut your hair, it's kind of a fresh start. And I thought that's absolutely true. Like, there are moments when people cut themselves to kind of help release something from that they've experienced or kind of free themselves from something and shake something off of them. And so I liked that we had that moment in the drama where we actually watch Ki Jung suddenly, you know, decide to do that suddenly. Because I do think that is an example of liberating yourself. Um, and it's not going to liberate you from the big thing <laughs> that you want to be liberated from. But it may be something small that may um, a small kind of liberation example that may lead to you liberating yourself from that big thing that you want to be liberated from. Um, same thing with Chang Ki, the brother, the middle child of the siblings. Same thing with him and quitting a job. So he, after eight years of working this job that he's actually really good at, that he's well received at, it seems like people love him there who he works with. Um, after, you know, but he just quit that job. And we do that all the time. I feel like people do that all the time. We quit jobs to start afresh, to start anew somewhere else, to make moves and decisions, to get yourself free from one space and moving into a new one. And that it can be liberating to say, I don't want that job holding me down anymore. I don't want that job as a piece of, you know, a baggage. I'm continuing to carry on year to year. I want to let it, let it, let it go, you know? And I think that's another kind of smaller scale example of finding liberation. So in a big scan scheme of your life, you know, quitting one job isn't liberating you from that big thing that you may want to find liberation from. But in that kind of small time frame or in that moment, it can be liberating. And then that can free you up to liberating yourself from that big thing. And then the same thing with Chanki and breaking up, just experiencing a breakup in a relationship. That is another way of freeing yourself from a situation that's hopefully a situation that you, you know, really do need to be free from. And so you feel find relief once you've done that breakup you know, after you get through it, I'm sure. <laughs> but I do feel like that's another thing that we do on a smaller scale, on a micro level that is liberating. Um, and you have control over that, right? These are things that you can control. You know, you randomly cutting your hair with kitchen shears, you quitting your job, you deciding to break up with someone. All are all examples of this. Um, another example is with Ki Jung. Um, and in the very beginning of the drama, one of the things that we, you know, we learned early on about Ki Jung is that she has made this declaration and she has declared that she will, she's deciding to love anyone. She's like, the next guy that kind of glances my way, I'm going to give my all to him. I'm going to do everything he needs me to be. So I can, I'm going to be everything he needs me to be so that I can be with this person because I'm sick and tired of being single, being alone, stressing about finding a man. I don't want to do this anymore. 
So she makes that declaration that I'm going to decide to love the next man who kind of just like briefly kind of catches my eye. That's the one. And that was liberating for her. It absolutely was because she again, I mean, for anyone who may be complete like obsessing over the need to find their significant other at some point, you know, maybe that is is trapping you. That's kind of bogging you down and you need to be free from that. And so she kind of freed herself from that. And I thought that was another kind of a micro level thing that you can liberate, you know, find liberation with. Um, but those are just kind of like, like I said, the little short list of examples that I was kind of noting as I was watching the drama. Um, but something else I thought that was a way of finding liberation in like a, a micro kind of level is just as the seasons change year to year, right? Because in the drama, multiple times, um, and as you know, in the, in the drama, we get to see kind of all the seasons in a way. And but the beginning of the drama, we are kind of we hit the heat, like the dead of the summer. Right. And <laughs> it's commented on all the time. Like someone's always talking about how hot it is and the heat and definitely Changi. He was like not having it. But the thing that I remember specifically that made me find kind of note, like, why do they keep talking about the heat and that, the, the, you know, the weather? And it made me think about liberation in this moment because it's, it's me, Jung and her co-worker, um, they're kind of leaving work and they're, you know, walking together and they're talking about how hot it is. And they're like, oh my gosh, you know, it's so hot. It's complaining about the heat. And then I think it's me, Jung, who's talking about how she can't wait for the winter. She can't wait for it to get cold or something like that. And her coworker is like, well, you say that now, but then when you're in the cold, you're at some point going to be like, okay, now I'm ready for the heat again. So this idea of like you wanting freedom or liberation from this season of heat only to then get into the cold and then need liberation from that season of cold. And I thought that was fascinating as well to think about the way that you can experience liberation for something that, you know, you don't really have much control over because the seasons change and the weather fluctuates. But at the same time, there is a way that you finally find some relief, you know, like, okay, it's no longer hot, it's cold again. And then when you're sick of the cold and then it gets hot, you're like, oh, it's no longer cold, it's hot again. And I like that. That kind of concept of like that's a way of finding liberation um, in a micro level that it does you can guarantee does happen I mean with global warming I don't know so much <laughs> but in, in, in the ideal world yes um, and that also just made me think about this other concept in the drama or from the drama that liberating yourself from one thing can only lead to the next thing that you might need to be liberated from. And I just thought that was fascinating too. I'm like, wait a second, you know, you want to liberate yourself from one thing and then you get yourself into something else and then that just liberate, then you need liberation from that. <laughs> but, you know, either way. So another big thing that I wanted to kind of like focus on as far as liberation and the way that they kind of were showcasing it or addressing it in the drama has to do with uh, Mr. Gu and his character. So I feel like Mr. Gu had some big ones um, and not so much, I mean, like the micro level ones, like, oh, cutting your hair, quitting your job kind of thing, but like some big things that he would want to be liberated from. Mr. Gu is not on the same journey. Let me mention that. Mr. Gu, Ki Jong, and Chang Ki are like not on the same journey as Mi Jong of going through the process of actively trying to find liberation. They're not doing that. She's doing that with her, her little club at work. They're not doing that. So we don't really, aren't really 
supposed to be, I guess, expecting that from the other characters. But like, I, I'm giving you my list because I started to see it in the other characters. Um, but I definitely think, you know, the focus isn't on them and their journey of discovering how to liberate themselves from something. It's mostly me, Jung, but the other characters display these moments. And Mr. Gu, to me, is also one of that, like one of those characters who is displaying these moments of like things that he needs to be liberated from, um, though he's not actively or he or we don't think he's actively pursuing liberation from it. But he has to me some big things that he would need to be liberated from. So um, addictions and obsessive thoughts and fear. I think Mr. Gu, um, obviously, we learn towards the end of the drama or not even learn. He states at the end of the drama his reason for drinking and how he, you know, he is an alcoholic. He admits to that and he tells us kind of why he drinks and it's tied to these kind of obsessive thoughts about his past and the people from his past and how afraid of that he is. And so he has to drink, of course, to numb that and to stop those thoughts and not think about those people in this past that he doesn't want to bring up. He's afraid to to address that and to approach that. And so he drinks to to numb that, to hide that. Um, and so technically drinking for him frees him from those obsessive thoughts and from those those thoughts of those people that he no longer wants to think about. It frees him from that. He finds liberation with drinking. However, that drinking only leads to his actual alcoholism, which he will hopefully liberate himself for, from in the future. But of course, we don't get to see that in the drama. But you know, that is something else that he would probably actively have to work towards liberating himself from. Um, but the other thing that I want to mention as far as something else that he seems to be attached to his character is fear. He is constantly saying how much, and I mean, also the his past, you can tell he's afraid of that and he has a hard time and that's why he's ran off into the countryside, you know? Um, but also this con I mean even though he can handle his own we know he's not afraid on that level but you know there's something some level of fear to him and he constantly says this when he's talking to me Jung he says how much he's like afraid of her I mean he says it constantly how he's afraid um, of her specifically and there's this moment um, and I think it was episode nine I believe when he finally sees up close and personal the billboard sign that Mi Jung always talks about her seeing when she's on her train ride. That billboard um, comforts her. Every time she sees it in the morning when she's on the way into Seoul, she's like that, you know, it makes her happy to see it. And if you remember, the 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 billboard actually says um, something good will happen to you today. Like that's what she sees and that's the thing that comforts her. But in this episode nine moment, we get to see the billboard sign up close and personal because Mr. Gu randomly finds himself in front of it while he's in Seoul for work. And he's like, oh my goodness, that this is the sign. I think this is the sign that she's always talking about. So he's looking at the sign. And I noticed while we were looking at the sign up close that on the sign is an actual scripture from the Bible. Um, and the, the chapter that is in there is Mark, it's, um, yeah, it's Mark 650. And it is that specific chapter talks about Jesus and all the miracles that he's performing in front of his disciples. And then Specifically, Marxist 50 is when Jesus is walking on water. And this, of course, this miracle frightens his disciples. And they're like, oh, my goodness, what's going on? Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you doing, Jesus? Why are you? Why are you how are you? What is this? And they're, you know, observing this miracle of Jesus walking on water. And Jesus tells them in that moment not to be afraid of said miracle of him walking, walking on water. 
And to me, when I connected that with the billboard and Mi Jung and Mr. Gu, it just made me think of Mi Jung as maybe the equivalent to a miracle in Mr. Gu's life because he's always talking about how he's afraid of her, he's afraid of her, yet, you know, we see this billboard kind of letting you know, reminding us, or I mean, not reminding, but like letting you kind of know in that moment of being afraid of this miracle that to me, I think Mi Jung is for Mr. Gu. He should not be afraid of it. Um, and so that is a way for him to find liberation from some of that fear is to embrace Mi Jung and bring her into his life, which we know he does. Like she come, you know, she proposes to him that he worship her and he says, okay, I will. And that was him kind of walking with her into his life. And I just, I don't know. I just really like thinking about that as like Mi Jung being um, a, a miracle in his life. I definitely think she was. If the story tells it, I think she definitely was. And I think that's, um, again, don't want to talk about my, my Mr. <laughs> but here, I just, that made me think. Like, I feel like our writer, Park Hae Young, she has done that with Miss, um, with Ajishi or my Mr., where she, you can see how she allows these characters to kind of interact and discover each other and find one another. And both are all the characters always seem to find out like you saved my life. Like if I had not met you, I don't know where I would be, you know, from this moment. Like I don't know what would have happened to me. And it makes it just and I love that. I love this concept of you meeting a person and them not necessarily being, you know, the love of your life or anything like that, but them being so pivotal, like so, like not pivotal, like so key to changing your life and making you a better person. Um, so much so that you, you know, kind of heal things and you can find liberation from things. And I just think that is a wonderful thing to kind of explore in a story is that, you know, even in a non-romantic sense, people can come into your life and legit save your life. And I just, I think the writer likes to comment on that a lot. And I, and I appreciate that. And I love it. I think it's wonderful. And I think it makes sense and ties to um, the liberation theme for sure. Um, so before I kind of wrap up this episode, I definitely want to talk just in general about some, you know, about my characters, because, you know, I can't just I can't talk about a drama that I love without talking about their characters. So just quickly, I wanted to go over our siblings. So we have our three main characters. Uh, sorry, four main characters. We have our three siblings, um, Mi Jung, Chang Ki and Ki Jung. And then we also have Mr. Gu. And I feel like with most stories, it's sometimes really difficult to have that many kind of main up front characters where you're going to basically exploring all of their individual stories and all of them be interesting and make sense, even if they're not all uniquely tied together. And I feel like the writer, obviously, the story did an amazing job of showcasing all four of these characters and making them full round and giving us their full stories um, with for me and without that being boring. And I'm not, I did not find any of their stories boring and I thought they were all interesting individually. Um, like, for example, I loved Gi Jung's character and I just feel like her and Chang Ki just had the biggest hearts. And I feel like it's always wonderful to see like these characters that up front are kind of you know like Gi Jung's a little obnoxious Chang Ki talks a lot and can be a little annoying um, but you know at the bottom of it all they're just normal people with 
really big hearts and who care for their, you know, for others in their family, right? And Ki Jung, there's this moment for for me that just kind of was like, oh my goodness, I love her. So, you know, she is in this relationship with a single father, Taehun, who has a, you know, a preteen going into teenager, um, young, you know, girl. And he also lives with his two sisters, older sisters. So it's a house full of um, this one man and his, these three women, you know, so we have his daughter and his two sisters. And then he gets into this relationship with Ki Jung. And they have, they're having a rough time in the relationship because his sister, one of his older sisters is not very accepting of Ki Jung into the, their life, uh, their lives. And then, you know, of course, her coming in with a single father, the daughter, of course, is giving her a tough time. So she's just really struggling with their relationship. And it's, I think she gets to a point, and this is when she also cuts off her hair, you know, when she's like, I don't really know what I'm doing this for. You're like, what is, is it really worth it to be going through all this? I'm still hurting and I thought this was going to be okay and work out, but it's just not that easy, right? And so, you know, in this moment, they kind of meet her and Taehun. They all have, they had this little meeting and they kind of address some of the things that they are dealing with in their relationship. And then by the end of it, you know, they're kind of, you know, smiling at each other and I guess coming, you know, coming to peace with what their relationship is right now. And they're just okay with what it's going to be. And Gi Jung says, you know, I, you know, she jokes and she's like, you know, actually, I think the real problem is that you just have too many women in your life. You know, you're through two sisters, your daughter, and then me, I feel like I'm just another woman who's coming into your life and like bothering you. And, you know, they're laughing about it. But then she says, you know, that's why I actually why I cut my hair. You know, I cut my hair so I can become a man for you. And then I tell you, I laughed out loud at that because it's her way of just kind of, again, really caring and thinking about the person that she loves. And and I feel like she does that throughout the drama. But I love how she does this with Taehyung in that moment, um, because it's in a moment where she's struggling, you know, with coming to terms of what their relationship is and or what it's not, you know. And so for her to still show that kind of care and, and thought to him, I just I think that summed her up beautifully. And I loved her for that. Um, she's silly. She was kind of funny, obnoxious. Um, she did some of the weirdest things. I mean, she was a comedic relief a lot of times. But she also, like I said, she had this big heart. So it was hard to to ignore her. Um, and then you have Chunky. He was a middle child. So I was immediately biased towards him because I'm also a middle child and I believe in the middle child syndrome. It's a real thing. Okay. Don't let the middle children out there. Don't let anyone tell you differently. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But um, and he was Chonky's also played by Emin Ki, who is who has my heart and and has been had my heart for decades, um, so for a decade at least. Uh, but he also it's this just well loved person, um, at least by me. But also in his job that he quits after eight years, he he puts so much into that job and he takes it seriously. He, you know, works at a, you know, he, he take manages gas stations or like, is it gas station? Not gas station. He manages convenience stores. Um, and so his, you know, all the people that he manages, you know, support him, all the owners of these little convenience stores, you know, they value him. And he has this one, um, one woman that he constantly is like going above and beyond for. She is older and she's, you know, complains about her husband to him. And so she'll call him after hours and just kind of talk and complain about her family life and things like that. And he will sit and listen to her. And he he doesn't mind that at the end of the day. But his father, 
who he just wants approval from of as usual and just wants to be recognized for something good for once by his father you know his father looks down on that that he's you know wasting his time with some woman who you know that's not outside of his job description yet he's still wasting his time doing that for her and yet Minky character sorry Chunky he realizes like you know what I'm a good person like what I'm doing is not something to be upset about like you should be applauding me for being this type of person and there's this moment where he kind of goes off on his dad and he says that he like can you at least acknowledge like yes I've made some mistakes in my past and I've done things that you have not been proud of yes I admit that but you can't say that I'm not a good person you know you can't say that I'm not doing good and I'm I'm kind and caring like you gotta gotta give me credit for that and I love that moment and it was so sad Um, and it was also kind of relatable because you know he is saying like notice me recognize me and of course all middle children complain about not being recognized or noticed uh, but he's you know telling you know his dad to notice me for something good for once only time you want to acknowledge me is when I'm uh, making you upset or something bad's happening and it's like can you acknowledge me for this simple thing of me just being a kind person like please <sighs> love that love Chunky loved him to pieces and then Mi Jung the thing that I love most about Bi Jung. Um, okay, let me talk about this scene. So there's this one scene that I think sums up Mi Jung's character to me. And it's the, the scene that I feel like when I realized like, I just understood her through and through. And it's this scene in episode 11 when she is out walking late at night with Mr. Gu as she does quite often in the drama. And they're walking up this mountain together and they're in silence. And she, he's like, you know, light years ahead of her, like walking super fast. And she's just kind of following behind him in her work clothes at that. You know, he's following, but she's following behind him. And in their silence, you know, as her walking up this mountain late at night, she is, you know, narrating this, this time when she was young. And she and her and these other children, you know, they were asked when they were in church to turn in their prayer. And she's, you know, narrating this kind of moment in her past or, you know, this memory of hers. And then she remembers, you know, while they had to turn in their prayers, she could see, you know, what her friends had wrote. And she always wondered, like, why would they pray for the things that they were praying for? And they were praying for things like grades, you know, the school that they got into or the school that they wanted to go to. They were praying about, you know, I guess making friends and things like that. And she would just be so baffled as to why they would pray for those things to God. She's like, it's God. Like, why would you pray for those things for to God? Um, and I mean, this is all what she says in this moment that she's narrating. And she's like, in that moment, she's like, I wasn't praying for those things. She recognized like I was only thing I was curious about um, and what she prayed for was just asking God who she was and like, why was she on this earth? Like, what was her purpose? And she says that, you know, ever since then, you know, growing up, she just kind of realizes that she just feels like she's existing and she feels like she will continue to exist in some way even after she's gone. But during this lifetime, she's like, why do I feel like I'm just existing and that I'm unsettled and uneasy all the time? And she's like, I want to, you know, I I don't want to feel that way. And she starts to think about, um, you know, how others will kind of say 
They don't question life anymore. They kind of feel like they figured life out and they think that life is just what it is. It is what it is and they accept that and they just don't question things anymore. And she's like, I can't do that. I cannot do that. She's she think wants to think about, you know, what happens next. She wants to know, um, she's always questioning what life is supposed to be for her. And she even says that she wants to know kind of or she wants to experience heaven on earth. She's like, I want to experience heaven on earth. Like, I don't want to just exist. I don't want to just be unsettled and uneasy all the time. I want to feel goodness. She's like, I don't know what's going to happen after we pass on, but I do know that what I want to experience, I want to experience now here on earth. And all the while she's narrating this, she's climbing up this mountain to get to the top and then stand beside Mr. Goo. And it's this man that, you know, who she asked to worship her. And so I just think that summarized her character up to me. This kind of concept of her always questioning, there's got to be more. You know, she's like, there's got to be more to this life than this, this way that I'm feeling. There's got to be. And she makes that decision because she's always questioning that. She then makes that decision in the beginning of the drama where she approaches Mr. Goo and she, you know, she propositions to him, hey, do you want to worship me? (laughs) And he's like, "Okay." And I feel like that was her answer to one of the questions that she's always questioning about, like, how can I make this change? How can I make this move? How can I change things in my life? That is her. One of her answers is letting this man enter her life. Um, and so I just, and I love that about her character. Like she's not one who just kind of sits. Um, she does actually have, and she's very quiet in comparison to her siblings. They talk a lot and they are very vocal about their opinions in that way they think. And, you know, they're just very open as opposed to her who's always quiet. She's very inward. Um, but when you actually hear the stuff that she's thinking about, it's just so deep. And you're like, oh my goodness, me, John, why are you so deep? So I just absolutely love her character. And I loved how she was able to kind of showcase um, her thoughts once she got Mr. Goo in her life. Like I said, he made her feel, feel um, you know, free enough to just talk and express herself, express herself. And Mr. Goo acknowledges that same thing about her, that they do that for one another. He always is like, I don't talk like this. I don't talk this much. Like, I don't talk about stuff like this. And he'll mention that in regards to Mijung, that she brings that out of him or she allows him to be that way. And I think it's just beautiful. And then quickly, I'm going to talk about Mr. Goo and his character and the fact that he, the thing that I love most about the drama and his character was that the consistency. So when we meet him, he's a functional alcoholic. And when we see him last, he's still a functional alcoholic, period. You know, that consistency across the board, I really appreciate it um, because, you know, usually sometimes you'll see like these grand changes in characters and it's like, you know, like this aha moment and all of a sudden they're this new person. And we actually see Mr. Goo in the countryside to leaving that countryside life to going back to his old life, which I think is sometimes very unusual with stories. They usually kind of don't go back to their old life. They usually kind of elevate and go into something better or new. And he doesn't do that necessarily. He goes back to his old life um, with the same troubles and issues he's always had. The only difference when he gets to you know his new life, I mean, his old life again, is that he has already experienced Mijung and kind of he com- continuously thinks of her and her family and kind of what that did for him in that time when he was in the countryside with them. 
And so that to me keeps him on his toes and kind of unsettled. And that's why he kind of finds himself back in their lives again after the fact. But I love this kind of I think it was realistic. I don't want to always say like, oh, this drama was super realistic. But I thought that was real, very realistic that, you know, he took a stop off the train ride that is called life for a time there. And he was living a life that was different than the one that he had. And then at a certain point, he got right back on the train and started back on his way. right? And his way, again, had been changed, though. It, it had been changed. There were subtle changes that we got to see in his life back in Seoul. But there was there was nothing huge. There's nothing dra- drastic. He was still an alcoholic. He was missing me, Jung. That was probably the change. Um, and he recognized that he had an issue. He had a problem. He couldn't just continue to drink and expect that and not get help for it because he starts talking about therapy. And so I just love that he kind of even brought that up in the end of the drama there and how he knows he needs help. Um, and he even kind of, you know, solicits Mi Jung's help um, once he meets her again in Seoul. And I just, and I appreciated that. And I loved that. And I think presenting his character as one that was kind of unchanging in a way. Um, and just like the realism of like, even after some time had passed, you know, he, he went back to his old life, you know, <laughs> hey, he went back to his old life. And I also was quite surprised that his old life, when we finally are revealed to Mr. Gu and what his actual past was that he was used to be a host who didn't like being a host and worked his way up into managing host clubs like that completely threw me for a loop Mr. Goo was a host what I thought he was like this like athlete who got hurt and like was ashamed and never went back like I never would have guessed he was a host um, and then turned manager of host clubs who goes around collecting the, the money from the clubs you know like I had no idea but either way it was, it was, it was still good. I loved his character and I loved the consistency that they kept with his character. Um, and he broke my heart in the end there as just when he starts to reveal a little bit more of like what has led him to being in the state that he's in and kind of him turning to me, Jung at the end and kind of letting her know, like, I am not, I'm not all I need to be. I know that. But do know that I liked you, even in this state of me being this kind of incomplete person who's a functional alcoholic. Know that I liked you. Know that there was something about you that drew me to you. You deserve a lot. You deserve so much. But this is all I am right now. And I love that about their relationship. I really did. They both were just so honest with one another. And so non-judgmental. And I kind of felt a little frustration with Mi Jung there because she was, to me, she was almost very complacent sometimes when it's like, you love this man, you care about this man, and you watch him just kind of, you know, he's deteriorating. I'm going to be honest. Like, you know, obviously they separate for some times, but when they meet up again, it's still there, like him struggling and he admits it to her, obviously. But I still believe, like, I was like, come on, me, John, like, you're not going to speak up at any point and just kind of say, hey, I get it. I understand. I'm not judging you, but just know, like, I don't know. Well, you know what? Now that I say that, I don't think she could have said anything because their relationship was built on them being their whole open plain selves with one another and I think the minute she would have called him out for something that he already was quite aware of it would have been like well you're just like everyone else (laughs) but at the same time I just know in the future though 
could their relationship really work if he never gets the help that he needs, right? If he never steps it up a notch and gets the support and help that he actually needs to, to do what he needs to do to get better, will they ever have a relationship? But then at the same time, is that what Mi Jung necessarily needs, right? Um, does she even want that? Is what she wanted from Mr. Gu something she already got? And it's that concept at the end of the drama and at that episode that, you know, when she was talking about, you know, frog confetti guts, is it that she just needed to feel lovable um, by someone and she did get that from Mr. Gu and then, you know, she can move on, you know, and maybe that's the way the story ended. And I, and I don't know. I don't know because it was a pretty, you know, open ended, you know, ending. And I think about that. I think if that's what it was at the end is that they do go their separate ways again and they don't end up together and she gets what she needed from Mr. Goo and that she feels lovable for that time and that's all that matters that she knows that's possible. And I also love that. <laughs> I also really love that. Oh my gosh. And yeah, it makes me even think about the scene at the end when they're meeting up with their father again um, after some time has passed and they, you know, visit him and they're eating and he is kind of noticing how they're all, they just feel like they're, he can see a sense or see how they're all just struggling um, individually. And they're struggling individually because it's tied to these, these other people in their lives. Um, and he makes a statement to them about how he just wants them to know, like, it's okay. You know, if you, if you're by yourself, you know, if you live alone, if you don't end up with someone and they're looking at him like, oh, really? Cause that's great coming from you because he's someone who's married twice, you know? And he says, I know that's a lot coming from me, but he, you know, admits like that's because I'm weak and you guys are strong and him recognizing or him, I don't even know if it's about the character that him saying that, but I think it was the writer. I think it was something she wanted to kind of highlight just in the final episodes there that this concept of being alone and living alone and not having the other person there to kind of ride or die with you. It's, it's takes a very strong person to be able to do that. And just acknowledging that because I think a lot of single people feel less than at times and they shouldn't because they're the stronger ones. <laughs> the fact that you're still existing, you know, without relying on another person, guess what? You're the strong one. Um, and I just thought that was a, a little little thing the writer threw in at the end there. But it does relate to our characters because they all technically were still single, you know? Um, Gi Jung was a little bit more not on the side of single, but she was really in a rough spot at the time when he was saying that. So it looked like she was going to end up single. And, you know, they're all mid, you know, 30s going into their 40s kind of thing. So it's like, yeah, it's you're at that age where it's like, hey, maybe I'm just going to be by myself. And I shouldn't feel bad about that. Um, and, I, and I just thought that was nice that the kind of they threw that in there at the end. But in general, I absolutely adore this drama. I don't know if there's, and I want to say the things that I think I, how I felt once I actually ended the drama, like when the final, you know, scene was there and then the credits rolled, I actually stood up and gave a standing ovation. Like I just started standing, I stood up and started clapping because there was this feeling of, I don't even know, I'm going to say like liberation, but I don't think it was that necessarily. But it was this feeling of, like I, I felt like someone told me that they heard me, right? And that they saw me. And I felt like 
that's why I like slice of life drama genres at time the dramas at time is I feel like it allows you to really live through this story or these characters lives while also still being present of your own and I think Sometimes people don't want that. Obviously, that's not the ideal all the time. Sometimes you want to escape. But sometimes in in watching something that's paralleling like your thoughts on your own life helps you at the end of it all realize like, or for me at least, it made me feel like my life was was being seen by others as well. Like people could see like, yes, what you're dealing with, what you're going through. It's just as relevant and appreciated as you watching this drama and appreciating these characters kind of stories of their simple lives. And I just, I really appreciated that. And whenever a drama, John, a drama helps me connect more with myself and my own situation and my own life, I can't help but put this drama on a ladder, like on a, on a, on a level that's unlike any other drama that I may be watching. And so that's why I can't say that my liberation notes is my favorite drama of the year. Can't say that. I'm going to leave that for 2521. What I can say my liberation notes is it's one of my favorite dramas of all time. <laughs> it has definitely been placed on that list of like, you know, running list of dramas that I would recommend to anyone. Dramas that I love to pieces. Dramas that for me are just the thing that gave me, left me with so much. And I feel like this is that type of drama. It left me with so much. Um, And the other thing that I didn't mention when I was talking about um, liberation and I was saying my little liberation list and I was listing different ways of finding liberation. And I didn't want to talk about these, this, this aspect of the drama, but I will really quickly. And now that I'm in the very end, so, you know, I did tell you it was going to be some spoilers. Um, I do want to briefly talk about this without talking about it for too long because I might get emotional, but there are um, other ways, you know, that you can find liberation from the life that you're dealing with. And obviously it is the liberation from life itself, um, i.e. passing on or passing away. And we experience two characters in this drama who who pass on. And the fact that they also you know, kind of discuss that or um, showcase that in this drama, what to me was another example of, you know, liberation in a way. Um, And it's not, you know, the happiest thing. It's not the, you know, the great, the greatest thing and all of that. You don't want to say it's, it's good that someone passed on. Um, But in certain situations where, you know, like the, the one character who is, you know, sick with cancer in that regard, you know, there is a freedom from that illness and that sickness. And I just, I thought that was, I don't, I don't want to say it was great or anything like that, but I just appreciated our writer showcasing that in this story about liberation as well, because most people really, you know, think of it as, you know, the end all be all technically, (laughs) but it, you know, also, for someone in situation in that kind of regard, it could be freeing for them. And so when I tell you this drama, just it made me look at things and and view things and just every day 
a lot better or differently or with more respect. And one of the favorite things that I'm going to take away from this outside of this kind of concept of being able to liberate yourself on a daily, everyday basis, on a micro level. The other thing I take away from this drama is that concept at the very end with Mi Jung and the five minutes of peace a day and how she kind of tells, oh my goodness, so good. And she kind of is telling Mr. Gu like, if what he should try his darndest to do is to find five minutes of peace a day and not necessarily, you know, five minutes in, in a, as a whole, but collecting the seconds, the minutes that add up to five minutes through an entire day. Just if you can do that, you know, that is enough to kind of move you on to the next day. And I, I love that. I love that. And you see Mr. Gu in the drama itself counting the seconds. You know, there's three seconds there. There's seven seconds there. And then he has days where he says he couldn't even count up a couple seconds to get to five minutes that day. And that just was deep, man. I just thought about that in that kind of in your own life, being able to practice finding peace, um, moments that bring you peace and and being okay with just five minutes of it a day. Wow. That's, come on now. You can't tell me that does not make you, does not resonate with you. You cannot tell me that does not resonate with you. And so many other moments like that in this drama are there, are present. So many other moments of just things resonating. Um, and the ending for a lot of our characters too, just... I mean, Chunky's ending and his realization about his life and his path and his future. Man, that was beautiful. And so just overall, in general, so much goodness in this drama. This drama was so well acted. Everyone's performance was top tier, top notch. Um, I appreciated everyone's performance. I think everyone did an amazing job. Um, there are so many other characters that I also appreciated and loved. I love the Hyuna character, um, who is the kind of friend of the siblings and also is on and off kind of relationship at the end there with Chanki. I liked her character. Um, I also liked their friends in general back in the countryside. I thought those like their kind of friendship that they showcase was wonderful to see. I like the Liberation Club, the members of the Liberation Club. I thought they were great. Um, the HR manager turning into one of the, the main supporters and has this kind of revelation once he joins the Liberation Club. All of that is beautiful. So just on, in general, this is, to me, one of the best dramas I've watched. Um, I think it is on the same level as... My Mr. Ajashi, I think it, it should be just as acclaimed and award as my Mr. I think they're both standalone beautiful dramas, but I also think that the writer did address some similar kind of concepts across both. And I, and I, I think it would be so cool to compare both of them and kind of the similarities there, um, in these two dramas, because I think they do very much a great job of showcasing that slice of life genre. And dealing with those interpersonal relationships that you you focus on in those types of genre genres and or in that type of genre, and just highlighting what it means to be alive and existing in present day. And it's not pretty. It's not all rainbows and sunshine. It's pain and it's stress and it's addictions and it's sadness and it's you know feeling lost and confused and afraid. There's so much um, to being just 
alive in this day and age. And I feel like our writer, she has a wonderful way of examining it and presenting it in a way that is so palpable and so relatable and, you know, easily digestible so much so that you can then walk away from the drama feeling some kind of connection to your life a little bit more, you know, some this stronger connection to your life and what it means to be existing. And I can't help but appreciate a writer like that. I can't help but appreciate a story like that. I can't help but appreciate a drama like that. Um, so definitely my liberation notes is top tier for me. One of the best things I've watched um, this year definitely on another level for me than just kind of best drama of the year for me like no it's 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 best drama of some years for me um just top tier and I didn't want to be so long with this episode but I ended up being you know making this a long one because I really just wanted to take my time and just talk about the the impressions this drama left on me the things that I'm gonna always recall and think back on when I remember watching my liberation notes I think these are the things I'm gonna always remember and that are gonna be always a standout to me and I loved it I absolutely loved it so I am so glad you made it to the end of this long episode. Again, it's not a review. It's just a final impressions of what this drama kind of left me with. And I hope it wasn't too drab and boring and slice of life uh, listening to me talk about it. But it does make sense that I was, you know, it was this episode is kind of kind of slow and kind of quiet as well, because that's how the drama is itself. Again, It is one that I would recommend to anyone. I think it examines so much that anyone could relate to, even if you're not, you know, living in Seoul, Korea. So, you know, in Seoul, South Korea and you're Korean. Like there's so much here that we all could probably relate to. Um, And I just loved it. I loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. (sighs) One of the best. One of the best. She did it again. Park Hae-young did it again. Um, but yeah, so that is it. Please let me know if you've watched this drama, if you are, um, you know, what you maybe had walked away after finishing this drama. What did you feel like you walked away from it with? Um, what kind of final impressions that this drama have on you? And would you recommend it to others? You know, am I the only one who really, really loves it and, and would recommend it to others? Or would you say, you know, not everybody? I mean, it's not for everybody, obviously, because everybody doesn't like slice of life. But at the same time, I still feel like there's so much that people could get from this if, you know, they gave it a full chance, right? But um, lovely, 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 lovely. And Mr. Goo, Mr. Goo, my, is one of my bays now. He is one of my bays, one of my bays, one of my favorite little characters here. Um, and, you know, Song Suku, I think his name is Song Suku, it was amazing in it. He was absolutely amazing. I think this is the best thing I've ever seen him, the best performance I've ever seen him as far as drama goes. Not so much, I mean, he did, he was in DP, he did good in DP, I'm not gonna lie, but he wasn't as main of a character in DP. But definitely, he was top tier in this. Um, just oh my gosh so good okay anyway i'm gonna let you go that is all for this episode thank you so much for listening and whether you're listening in the morning or in the afternoon or in the evening i hope you have a great day so everyone it's been real lola's off